The medical information communicated in this podcast is of a general educational nature. If you are feeling unwell, please seek the attention of a medical practitioner. Any advertisements promoted throughout the podcast are not endorsed by the presenter or any of the guests interviewed. Hi there, welcome to MediTalk, a medical podcast talking all things medical in a way that you can understand. You're with Danae. Rupturing anterior cruciate ligaments, our ACLs, is actually quite common nowadays and it can be extremely painful when it happens. The incidence of ACL reconstructions in Australia is the highest in the world and shockingly, it's actually increasing. To understand why this is the case and to attain some more information about ACL injuries, I'm speaking with orthopaedic surgeon, Professor Daniel Fick. So we're with Professor Fick. How are you today? Oh, great. Thanks, Danae. Very good. That's good. Um, Today we're going to speak about ACL injury. One of our favourite topics here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it is. So what is an ACL injury? Oh, man. ACL injuries. You seem to hear it everywhere. And uh, uh, as surgeons, we take it for granted. But ACL is one of the main ligaments. It stands for anterior cruciate ligament and it's one of the main stabilizing ligaments in the knee and if you injure it it's really quite painful and can destabilize the knee and it causes a lot of problems. So how do you do your ACL? Well most people think you have to be an elite sportsman and you have to be doing something crazy to do it Uh, but we found actually through looking at the evidence only about two-thirds of people injure their ACLs during sport. So a third of people can injure it getting out of a car, twisting awkwardly. I had a guy last week, he he slipped and fell in the shower. Uh, Often little slips and trips can just add up through the physics of a fall and you can rupture your ACL. And so, and I actually was hearing on the news that even younger and younger Like children are doing their ACL. This is a massive issue, and it's one that we've been seeing growing for a couple of decades now. In fact, the last 15 years, we've seen growth of the injury prevalence in the the kid population, really almost double-digit growth each year in percentage of children exposed to this injury. And it's a pretty complex topic. A lot of people have opinions that it might be because... They're playing computer games all the time and they're sedentary. Yes. And then, and then they go out and play a sport. Exactly. Yeah. And then the parents are so invested and the competition in the sport seems to be a lot greater. So gone are the days where kids are just playing and roaming free and riding so a bike. So they're not in netball e-club like I was. <laughs> no, they're hyper competitive trying to make it to the States, you know, trying to wow. get to that next level. So a lot of people think that it's that, but actually a, a lot of it is our just our sporting culture. And Australia, we have the highest ACL rupture rate in, in the Western world. We, we, we look at the numbers per 100,000 of population, and we're sitting around about the mid-70s. And to give an example, our neighbours, New Zealand, they're on 34 per 100,000, Sweden even less. And unfortunately, Australians would wear that as a badge of honour. To- totally. <laughs> I mean, I totally. must admit, I'm listening to that and going, is that something one. I should be proud of? <laughs> Woohoo, we're number one we're at number something. One. We're number one, exactly. <laughs> but is it more sort of males or females getting this injury or yeah, what are we, you seeing? Oh, we're seeing a, a few shifts in the demographic. We've got the elder uh, weekend warrior group, so your 40-year-old blokes trying to get fit getting rid of the dad bod, getting back to touch rugby or something like that. So there's a little spike in the incidence there. With females, with with the girls, the younger girls, so we're seeing the the late teenagers really having a high incidence of rupture. These are the netballers uh, and the, the competition at that 
that senior level for netball can be really quite intense. And then for the the young adult males, your 20 to 24s, that's really the spike group. And again, in that hyper-competitive football arena, there's a lot of young uh, Aussies getting injured. And what about sports? Some sports more prone to this injury than others? Well, we think that's the reason why Australia is number one, because we've got this decelerating and jumping and ballistic sport lifestyle with netball and Aussie rules. So our good example is New Zealand, right next door to us, same kind of population, but half the injury rate. But it's because they're not really ballistic decelerating sports. It's that rugby impact sport. So they don't have the jumping, stop, twisting, pivoting. And pivot really is the word to describe this. And and our Aussie sports, we pivot a lot. So it's not that we're not stretching enough that suddenly we would do our ACL. Does any of that matter? It matters big time, but we're only really scratching the surface with what we call ACL prevention programs uh, and educating about how to jump, how to land and mechanics. So there's a a big awareness campaign for a national ACL prevention program to be established. And a lot of people are having a lot of input here. Uh, And this is uh, exciting because we can drop the rates of ACL rupture by 50 to 80% looking at one of these programs. And so what are some signs that you've done your ACL? Oh, the classic signs are, Doc, I felt a pop, instant pain, couldn't get up and and carry on during the game. And in fact, I had to be helped to get off the court or the footy field. So most people feel or even hear that pop and that's the ligament rupturing. And because it's got a, a nerve and a blood vessel in it, it's sore, so there's a lot of pain and it swells up. So you get a, a huge swelling that occurs over a, a period of Just in that hours. area around yeah. your knee, is it? It can blow up like a football yeah, over the course of a few hours. That's why we ice it and we put the compression on early. Okay. And so what should you do in that sort of situation? As an orthopaedic surgeon, what would be your advice to someone that's just done their ACL? Well, you don't want to perpetuate any new damage because your knee is now unstable. So it's a bit wobbly and you can actually cause new damage and different damage to other ligaments and structures like the cartilage in your knee. So you don't want to make it worse. So step one is icing and compression, all the common sense straight away. And that's when you look at the, the footy players on TV, you'll see them, they'll have ice strapped to their knee straight away. And do you elevate anymore or? You do elevate, yeah, absolutely. As much to stop you walking on it and making it worse as much as to reduce the swelling. Okay, and then you would go to a GP and? Exactly, so you wanna confirm the diagnosis and that's usually done by your local GP or a physio. Uh, And there's a few simple tests that we do to feel the end point for the ligaments. And we're pretty, we feel we're pretty sensitive even though it can be difficult in the first few days with all the swelling to get a read on it. And that's why a lot of people end up having some scans of the knee. And what sort of scans would you have done? What's a typical sort of pre-workup or after they've been referred to yourself? What sort of scans would they have done? Well, actually, a lot of times the scans will be done before you get to your specialist because the history is so particular. If we hear the pop and it sounds like you've done your ACL, it's really quite reasonable to get an MRI scan as soon as practicable to see if there's other injuries to cartilage or meniscus in the knee. And about half the time, we do see injuries to other structures. And the MRI scan is then important because it will determine whether or not we go into surgery to fix this soon or whether you might be one of the lucky people that we can explore non-operative options. And I mean, Australians would consider themselves quite tough. 
do you find that Australians uh, say, oh, I'll just ISA, I'll be fine, and then they might leave it? I mean, what extra damage can you do to yourself being a bit too strong and not seeing your doctor? Well, I think we've been lucky because 20 years ago, absolutely, I think that that uh, robust, she'll be right, mate, attitude was pervasive. But education now, uh, most people are aware that if there's something serious wrong with their knee, they should get it sorted sooner rather than later and just get vision on what does it take to get better. So most people now are pretty educated and up to speed with seeing their GP or their physio to begin the process of understanding the injury. What are the options then that someone comes and sees you with this injury for them to maybe be considering? Well, I reckon we should flip it back around and focus on that person at that point in time. Who are they? Are you a school kid in year nine who's got a netball grand final coming up? Or are you a middle-aged bloke, as we said, the weekend warrior just trying to get fit? So it really depends on the individual with the injury. And and a good doctor, a good specialist, a good physio will always flip it around and look at who that person is with that injury. A crazy example, we see, I saw someone last week, he was 64 years old, came off his bike in an Ironman and actually ruptured his ACL. And you think... First time? First time. Super fit guy. And you think, well, 64, we we, we don't need to do any surgery. But he was so super fit and the knee stability was an issue. So on a case-by-case basis, we would make that call. And so what was his call? Because he wanted to be extremely active. Exactly. For someone like himself, that was priority. So he would go and have what sort of surgery or what what options do you offer then? Well, normally we align with a team-based approach. And this is probably the most important point to make is it's not always surgery straight away. In fact, most people do better if they plug in with their physio for some prehab and they get the swelling down, they get the range of motion back, and they start a strengthening program. And then that same physio will go through the different phases of rehab after surgery. Now, it might be months before you get your surgery when your physio deems it appropriate to, to pull the trigger, so to speak. So it varies widely on the, on the type of person, the type of injury. Okay. And so once they've done that, what do you offer then in terms of procedure-wise to make it better? Can you repair a ligament? You can repair the ligament, but it's very rare that we're able to do it. And it's a particular set of circumstances that allow us to explore that. The French, in fact, have got some great techniques that they feel uh, are suitable for early repair with an artificial ligament. In fact, it gained a lot of notoriety in Australia as one of the options to speed up recovery. And this was called the Lars ligament. This was one of the controversial topics in the knee surgery world about whether we should use an artificial graft or whether we should use part of your own body, be it a hamstring or a patella tendon. Uh, So there's a very particular set of circumstances that will allow us to explore a repair. And it's pretty rare, I have to say, to get a patient that would 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 come to us. Yeah. Okay. Um, And so then what would be your advice if a family friend had done their ACL? Is it really dependent on where they're at and if, if, for instance, so we've explored a patient who's very active, then what would you do with someone that's had this injury and they're not really an active person? Well, sometimes we forget that life goes on and you've still got to work. work, You've still got to work. You've still got kids. You know, the kids have got uh, commitments. You can't just stop the world from going around. So very often we have to reverse engineer a solution for your particular circumstances. It might be that it's Christmas time and you've got a couple of weeks off at Christmas and that's when we do the operation. 
So it really is critical that we look at where you're at in life and solve it for you. Never be forced into an operation. You always got to look at it from a number of different angles. Okay. And what's then the outcome? What's the um, success rates once they've maybe come and seen someone like yourself when they have something done procedurally to an ACL injury? Well, we're really lucky, actually. Being number one in the world in terms of the ACL injury rate, we happen to be really good at repairing and reconstructing, and the, the surgical side of things has an enormous success rate. So in terms of the percentage of people who return to sport, it depends on your conditioning coming into the operation, but most people get back to sport after 12 to 18 months. Wow. Okay. And back playing the same sort of sport or a lower level? or Usually it's one step down. You lose uh, a little bit of speed and that's as much to do with confidence as anything. So if people have had a really good prehab and rehab program, as surgeons, we tell them there is no um, there's no damage in aiming to return to your pre-injury sport level. And often you'll hear, you know, I suppose AFL footballers are examples of them redoing. Can you actually have an ACL injury and then do it again? Can you accidentally it happen again? Yeah, absolutely. And that's so unfortunate. That's yeah. heartbreaking because you've, you know, you've gone through all the trouble of rehab and then again, life happens and some crazy accident happens and, and you re-rupture. Uh, and those circumstances are really challenging. Again, we've got to be really particular how we solve for that person. Mm. Where are they in their career? You know, have they just got another season or two to play or is there you know, 10 years ahead of them? And the solutions will uh, present themselves based on those circumstances. Yeah. And I suppose we're we're living longer and a lot of us have very active lifestyles up to we're 80, 90 years of age now, you know, wanting to be physically active and we're being encouraged to be physically active. Well, so. it also stems to the cardio-respiratory fitness that we want for protection from ischemic heart disease. So we want the elderly to be out walking and keeping fit to prevent the heart attacks and the strokes and uh, fitness is so wound up in our overall health, it's really critical we, we find ways to address that. To keep mobile. To keep mobile, yeah. keep moving. Keep moving. So what would be your advice to prevent this injury? Are there things that we can do to prevent it from happening in the first place? I think if you ask the physios uh, and they have a really good read on what it takes to neuromuscularly train individuals, Maintenance of perfect form is the key. So how do we maintain perfect form when we run, when we jump, and when we change direction? And very few people have been taught how to change direction quickly, properly, keeping the knee alignment correct, having the correct footwear can make a difference. Uh, all these things can be taught. And the ACL prevention programs, in fact, if you Google them, you can just Google ACL prevent and there's a whole raft of things that we can do to help. And should we be starting that as young as possible? So if you're a parent, I mean, I would imagine you'd want to sort of uh, have these this information at a younger age so we can get into uh, it become just a subconscious thing that we do without even thinking absolutely, about it. Absolutely. I think there's a compounding interest effect in terms of the younger we start the awareness, mm. the safer our population is going to be. And uh, this is getting back to the national level ACL prevention programs that are, that are starting up. Okay, that's great. Is there anything else that we should know about ACL injury that we haven't covered maybe? Well, there's a, a few exciting developments uh, coming in the wings with the role of 
extra injections of stem cells <gasps> uh, and that the biologics. So. so this is exciting from the surgeon's point of view. Is there something that we can do to speed up the recovery? Yeah. Because although the surgery is simple and repairing or reconstructing that, that injury is pretty straightforward. In fact, it's one of our funnest operations. We, we really enjoy <laughs> ACL surgery. Is that right? But the tail and the length of rehab, most people you know, have wrong. a hard time with 12, 18 months. So if we can explore ways to speed that up and have the graft mature faster, this is a really exciting area. So watch this space with stem cell augmentation. And how long do you think that's a way? Well, unfortunately, like all things in medicine, clinical trials take 10 to 15 years to come to fruition. So uh, we're still, we've still got a ways to go. Okay. Well, that's very exciting, though. <laughs> it is. It really is. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. To find out more information about Professor Fick, visit his website, thejointstudio.com.au. If you have any questions for Professor Fick, he'd be very happy to answer them on another podcast, so be sure to send them through to Danae at meditalk.com.au. Thanks for listening. Stay well and let's talk soon.